1: This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome back to our show. We're happy to have you back. A little bit of a holiday break, a little bit of a quiet point in the uh, old Christmas calendar here in the South Florida soccer scene. So we we taken a little bit of time off, but we are back. We have a a two-man show for you tonight. It's me, Matthew Bunch, alongside Drew Hausman. Drew, how you doing, buddy?
0: It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you. I know, but you know I can't quit you.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> I thought you had back. a hot rhyme to step to. <laughs> so we are back, and again, as I always say, but especially since we've had this, uh, this uh, long period here, uh, we do have a lot to talk about. We're going to focus mainly on stuff that's happened this month. So that includes uh, some inter-Miami news, which we will get to in a little bit. That includes Miami FC returning to camp, uh, that includes, I think, uh, the biggest news, the biggest happening uh, that we had some coverage on the website. Again, if you don't follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you do those kind of things, uh, find us there, uh, including our website, magiccity.soccer, because we had a lot of, I, th- I mean, not to toot our own horn, I think we had a lot of great coverage of that game featuring Miami United hosting Peña Roll. Um, Drew, you were there. Uh, you were in the stands, kind of fan roll that day. Um, I was able to get some... some field side view uh, pregame, and then did a lot of our uh, social media coverage for that game. There's a lot to process, but before we even talk about the game, let's talk about the scene, because I think even more important than the result of the game, which I think was pretty darn great for Miami United, that scene, that environment,
0: we haven't had that down here in a good long while. Oh, holy crap, that was intense, and for that to come, I I feel like that just kind of hit it in the middle of the most dull off season we've had for a game of that caliber and it seemed to just pop up in a week and then come through yep. that that game was huge and i i still i'm kind of in awe of the attendance uh whatever the actual numbers were but i would say the, i'm in
1: all of the official attendance number
0: two and let, let, let's leave it there
1: even but, the unofficial
0: uh, attendance number to see the uh the, the backstand <laughs> at ted Hendricks completely packed and there was a spillover coming into the other side and I showed up two hours early, and we even had issues parking, so it it was crazy.
1: Yeah, I would say the first thing is that Peñarol fans are great. Because uh, <laughs> they they must, I mean, unless there's a huge pocket of Peñarol fans in South Florida that I don't know about, which is possible. There are certainly Uruguayans down here, but they're not the first, second, or third largest group of South Americans in the South Florida region. Um, they showed up, they turned up, they turned out. They were... They were there, and they were about it. It was a big-time scene. That was great. And now I will uh, – a mea culpa for something that no one knows I really said, but my first reaction when I saw that stand, because I, sh- I got to the stadium for an 8 o'clock kickoff about 7.30, and my first reaction was, oh, this is bad because <laughs> Peñarol is here and Miami is not. It looks like a <sighs> Peñarol home game. Now, again, Peñarol was great, and I think if you were giving the, the, the balance – you know, figuring out the balance of fans, they might have the advantage, but Miami did turn up. Uh, of course, in Miami style, I doubted my people, they did turn up late. They, they, they got there right around kickoff, and especially in the first five or 10 minutes, the other stand did fill up pretty nicely as well. But just being able to kind of stand down on the field uh, and see just the, the bouncing, just the it seemed bouncing that wouldn't stop, um, it was really, really impressive. And then Miami, again, once, once the supporters groups got in, once the other fans got in, there was a lot of noise coming from that side. I was actually sitting on that, uh, in that stand as well, the quote-unquote stand, if you will. I was sitting there at the top of it, and it did fill in really nicely, and it was a loud, boisterous experience. And, uh, you know, we were kind of talking about it pre-show, and we haven't had that kind of big-time, big-event game in Miami uh, you know, the, the game that came to mind originally was Miami United versus Orlando in the Open Cup last year, and that was good, but I honestly think you have to go back to Miami FC versus Atlanta United in the Open Cup two years ago to really get that kind of full energy, you know, full-throated support, you know, just a full, really, you know, it wasn't a full house at, at Ricardo Silva, but 10,000 people, and into it, into it, into it. That was just, to me, the most impressive part of it, is that there were— I you know, if I'm using the Matthew Bunch estimate, I'm gonna say seven, eight thousand. I think that's a fair number to say. There and everyone there was into it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was intense and God, could you imagine the not to not to take the attention away from Miami United, but can you imagine if that Miami FC game was against the Atlanta United of today, now that they're MLS Cup champions, like that game would have been so more intense, but uh, yeah, it's it's almost not comparable because there were so many Uruguayans there. You know, just flags waving. Uh, Freaking, I love that stadium because it was smoke, smoke grenades, no fucks yes. given. Sorry to curse, but just <laughs> everything you want out of a soccer game from a fan perspective, like you could not get any more greater than that. Like just flags Absolutely. waving for for hours. It was it was incredible.
1: It was really quite a scene. It's really the only way to describe it. And I, I would encourage, uh, you know, go, go back to our Twitter account, our Instagram. Abel Iraola did a really great job of kind of manning the Instagram that night and posted a lot of really good, uh, you know, shots from the crowd, uh, from the field of the crowd, trying to give you a, a, you know, what does it look like? What does it feel like to be in the middle of the maelstrom um, experience? It, it, yeah, it was just fantastic. It was just such a great job. Now, the game. Uh, Abel and I had a conversation before the game started, uh, basically saying, man, you know what a game like this needs? Because one would figure that Peñarol, the Uruguayan champion, you know, a Copa Libertadores qualifying team, a Copa Libertadores winning team in its history, would be the favorite over a fourth division American side. Um, You know, you could argue Miami United is more third division because of NPSL Pro, whatever you want to call that. But... Well, they are where they are, and even if they were American second division, you would probably still favor Peñarol. But I said, you know what a game like this needs is an early Miami goal. If they can just get one goal, it'll inject some excitement into this thing. And what do you get? An early Peñarol goal. And they <laughs> score two very quickly, one in within five minutes and I think two within 25. And it, it appeared to be a, a team coming off their break – getting ready to get loaded up for their season, because they do run kind of counter the normal soccer schedule because they're on the other side of the world. They're on the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, ready to kind of get things going in their preseason, and they look like they were clicking on all gears. That first half was really, really impressive.
0: Yeah, I, I think the second goal came a bit later, but just the fact that Miami United was to hold them to two goals in the first half, I think the majority of people there, including myself, kind of was thinking a scoreline maybe of a, uh, like, 5-1, 6-1, one, one, something, but uh, coming out of the first half, you know, 2-0, uh, I think a lot of us in the stands were just kind of optimistic, where it's like, alright, if they if they blow out United, it'll be okay, but if United get a goal, like, that'll be great, but uh <laughs> turned out uh, it got a little better than that.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you definitely, Miami United, I think... You would have to say they got exactly what they asked for in terms of this matchup because they got attention, they got a crowd, and they got a result. Because in the second half, and Drew, you're right. That first goal uh, did. Co- I'm sorry. That second goal did come closer to halftime. I mixed up a a really good opportunity that they had, but the second goal came in the 39th minute. Uh, Rodrigo uh, Pinheiro had both, um, and Miami United again in terms of that kind of that, that quick scoring. Miami United really, once they scored one, they scored the second very quickly. It was a flurry uh, in the 76th minute and then following up in the 78th minute. Two goals, uh, giving Miami United a 2-2 draw that they were able to see out. To me, that was the most impressive thing. Miami United had this kind of a moment of inspiration, struck by lightning, if you will. And they get, a, they get back 2-2. And Peñarol, they had two, but Peñarol probably deserved at least three or four in this game. There were a couple of enormous saves.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Ma- that, that Miami the baseball... United goalkeeper put on a highlight reel.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Peterson O'Sanot, um he had a double save in, in one of those that was just remarkable. He had, he was, I mean, it's cliche to say he was standing on his head, but he was doing everything and kept them in the game. And then Miami United can get this set two goals in three minutes, basically, and then see the game out. To have the wherewithal after those two goals to really make it count and make that scoreline hold up, that's, I mean, going, going into this season for Miami United where they're going to face new and different challenges than they've really faced ever before, playing a national schedule, um, that has to inspire some confidence in the front office and, and among the coaching staff.
0: Yeah, and I, I think we saw some familiar faces, like Ochoa is playing, and he's played a little bit for United in the, the preseason, and Ezekiel Tejada uh, played a bit, but uh, I think this is the first time that I've seen, or maybe he played in the South Florida Champions Cup, but uh, Privatera played the game, yes. and I really thought he was going to be kind of the difference maker of the game, or, or put a little more effort in for United. I, I still feel like he had a great game, but he got subbed out at the half, and once he got subbed out, I, I lost faith. <laughs> I, yes. I, I thought they were done, but uh, in comes uh, our, our uh, Puerto Rico FC uh, NASL BFF uh, Chris Nurse, who I didn't even realize was on United, which I was shocked, but man, that guy really threw it down game-changer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I an mean, enormous goal from Chris Nurse to, to pull the game back to 2-2. Um, it was just really, it was a strange game because Miami United were clearly the second best team. I think anyone who watched that game would say Miami United, for most of it, were probably where they deserved to be. But it was one of those games, and anyone who's a fan of, of a, kind of a, a top-tier team, a team that's uh, you know uh, always challenging for titles and things like that, you, you sometimes have games and it's just like you can't shake this team. You're just punching them in the mouth, but they won't fall down, and they're just hanging close enough where it makes you nervous. It makes you kind of a little bit, uh, you know, worried. And then all of a sudden, it, the 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 counter punch happens. You know, it's the rope a dope. It's the Muhammad Ali strategy of just take the body blows, blows, take the punches, don't go down, take this abuse just over and over and over and over, and then make them tired themselves out. And that's basically what Miami United did. Is they took every shot the Peñuel had. Literal and figurative They took all the shots that Peñarol had They didn't break, they didn't crack They stayed in it And then when they had their opportunities They pounced on it Kind of came out of nowhere But they. It, they. It. I don't think they deserve to draw I think that Peñarol deserved to win But at the same time The fact that they survived the way they did Against the challenge that Peñarol did Without cracking Makes me think that they did deserve something If you know what I mean
0: Yeah, yeah and if anybody from Netflix is watching, if you want to follow up that Sunderland season and uh, go for a winning team and uh, an emotional story, uh, you can film a documentary about Miami United.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, th- that, like that
0: a, it, mean- it, I know it was a preseason and a friendly, but it, it it almost felt like a cup game. Like when you're in that situation and you're a you know Division Four American team and you're playing a, a South American powerhouse, like holy crap! Like the tie was just like unbelievable when the game was done.
1: Yeah. It was, um, you know, Peñarol, again, it's their preseason. They're traveling to Miami to get some work in, basically. Um, but to to kind of lose the game like that, and they didn't lose the game, but to lose control of the game like that has to be a bit of a bummer. But even, you know, again, it's their first game, no big deal. For Miami United, it wasn't a win. But, man, it might as well have been because it yeah. had to have felt great for those players, just for everybody. Even showing up on the field and seeing that was a win. They could have lost 6-0. It's still a win for Miami United at the end of the day. Because, uh, again, the, 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 it had been two years since any club in South Florida has produced that kind of excitement, that kind of energy at a game, and they're the ones to do it. So that's a, that's a big win for everyone over there. But then the fact that you actually get a result, man, you look, you're look coming out smelling like roses. That's, that's <laughs> a fantastic evening for Miami United Football Club.
0: Yeah, and I feel like the MPSL was behind it. The league really backed them and had good media coverage. And you know, they 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 came out and they they slayed the Giants. They didn't slay them, but you know, soccer you draw you draw a team like that. It's incredible.
1: Yeah. A draw can be a win.
0: Yeah, exactly. A draw could
1: definitely be a win, and that's what that was. So now Miami United, they've been in their their preseason. They've been in there, you know, kind of getting the the band back together, figuring out who's going to be playing where uh, and, and how in 2019. Uh, Miami FC, that was a big question mark. What kind of team were they going to be fielding? How were they going to get back on the field? And uh, Miami FC appeared content to answer that question pretty much all at once in one week last week. Exactly. Because <laughs> pretty much it was just raining player announcements, two and three at a time, Um, It was literally hard for us to keep up with it over at Magic City Soccer because we thought we had one confirmed and then someone else would come flying in and we weren't aware of it. And then we had to keep, you know, basically play keep up with the Miami FC front office. So, Drew, a lot of players coming back from Miami FC, some new faces coming into the Miami FC squad. Um, Again, I'm I'm basically asking you, like, break down these 19 guys and tell me each one. But (laughs) I, I know you can't do that. But what stands out for you of those acquisitions, of the returning players and of the acquisitions? What stands out to you?
0: I got one player, and uh, I won't credit it, but I feel like they signed him because of me. So when we win next year, you can thank me because of him. But uh, Lloyd Sam, holy yes. crap! What a signing!
1: <laughs> that is that is the one. So there were there were two names that really stood out to me in terms of like wow, uh, Lloyd Sam is one because that's it. That's about as as quality and uh, veteran of a player that you could expect to get in the NPSL. Yeah. That's that's again talk about like that's a win before you even step on the field. That's sorry, a win sorry, before Dilly you Duca. step on the field. Uh, so that's that's one. The other name that stood out to me in terms of new acquisitions is a uh, a new name to Miami FC but not a new name to Miami, uh Tomas Granito. Uh I believe that's the first instance of a player making the cross county trek a player going from one squad to another. You can correct me if I'm wrong because you would know.
0: Uh, I point, mean, there, there was the whole like first year of United and the fusion splitting, but I won't really count that.
1: Right. I'm, I'm talking about Miami United and Miami FC.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically.
1: Yeah. So, And Granito was a key figure for Miami United last season in the Open Cup run, scored a couple of world-class goals, uh, one against FC Kendall from about literally 35 yards out. Uh, which was, I, I remember watching it live, kind of watching the stream live and kind of doing some some social media stuff. And, you know, that, that goal is posted on, on our Twitter account somewhere. I'll try to find it, but it was just, it was like being slapped in the face. It came out of nowhere and it was just spot on. Uh, and the second goal against Jacksonville, another goal from outside the 18-yard box uh, to basically give them the early lead, a lead that, that would take them to the next round against Orlando. Uh, He's a player that, that is meant for big moments, and I think that's a real coup for Miami FC and a bit of a poke in the eye to Miami United. But the Lloyd Sam signing, again, I think a lot of people are curious about what are Ricardo Silva's intentions. What is Miami FC's intention this year and going forward? And so there's been a lot of talk about forming the NPSL and then forming the NPSL Pro, you know, not forming the NPSL, it existed before Miami FC, but forming basically a new NPSL uh, with kind of their ethos in mind. And so there's been a lot of front office uh, focus, but not necessarily a ton of player focus, because, again, we really haven't known who's going to be on this team until last week. But getting a player like that, that is an immediate kind of call to action to fans, to other teams that, okay, we're for real. We're, We're trying to get big names, big talent, veteran presence into the side and trying to make the most of whatever opportunity we have this year.
0: Yeah, it's it, I got to take all these signings with a grain of salt because last year we did have a uh, little heftier player signings, and then when uh, push came to shove or at the beginning of the season, we kind of – some of them dropped off. Uh, sure. Like LaHood was on the squad in the preseason, then went out to Cincinnati. You can't blame him for that. Uh, we had the – I forget. Uh, I think it was the Ecuadorian defender from uh, – uh Edmonton and then he left before the season so uh there were a couple other guys that didn't see much playing time but right now what's on paper I feel like is better than the team last year and as you kind of were alluding to like is 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 our team shooting for the Open Cup or is this kind of a a Founders Cup thing because I feel like the Open Cup loss last year was like a big black eye on the team because obviously Miami uh FC is kind of shooting you know, trying to prove, like, hey, we can still make a great team, and we're not part of this USL uh, MLS system, but <clears throat> I feel like the squad is really, uh, it's really good, and I uh, I hate to be that guy, and this is kind of a problem last year, but holy crap, we're just out signing everybody else in the league, the whether or not be uh, NPSL but even Founders' Cup. Like, I haven't seen a lot of Founders' Cup teams doing anything online, like Detroit, uh, Chattanooga. They're kind of just bringing old guys back in where I'm like, wow, like, you know, Lloyd Sam, a, a bunch of uh, other USL players. It's incredible. Do you want to go down the list?
1: Uh, I will in a second, but I, I do want to talk about, I think, what may be a difference between this year and last year. And it may prove not to be a difference, but... When you look at the players that didn't really stick last season, most of them were Miami FC players that essentially got relegated, that got (laughs) from NASL to NPSL. And when a team gets relegated, it usually lets go of some players. It usually drops some, you know, it it thins down the squad. And in this case, there were players who had basically options and opportunities and and took them. But – in this case, this year, if you're Lloyd Sam, you know what the deal is. You, you, you know what you, – you know, it's, again, cliche, but you know what you signed up for. So it's right. a little bit harder to kind of make – you know, with a, you know a player, say, uh, Michael LaHood or Vincenzo Ranella. Yeah. They didn't sign up for fourth division American soccer. That's right. not what they signed up for. They signed up for ASL, Miami, second division, Ricardo Silva Stadium. And everything changed. And <laughs> – now you know what to expect and knock on wood hopefully once we get to the quote-unquote second half of the season or this you know the founders cup you know npsl pro whatever it's going to look a little bit different than what you have now and it would be more of a promotion you might be going up you might be playing a different level of talent a different uh kind of quality of player Uh, and so i think that might have bearings on the approach of the players coming in this year versus last year. So speaking of, uh, Drew, you had mentioned, let's run down the names and talk about who's coming into this Miami FC squad. Now, let's note, we're recording this at 9.58 p.m. on January <laughs> yeah. 24, 2019. There may be something that gets announced well, actually, at any I, moment.
0: I think that was our curse last year's. every time we did a podcast and announced players, yes. the next day they would sign like eight more. So um, yeah. if you're so, listening to this on that. Friday, the squad is probably completely different. Yeah. Uh, goalkeeper? Lionel Brown is the only one on contract. Yes. That's worth noting. We'll come back to that in a second. I, I think that'll change, but I like Lionel Brown. Yes. But, I you know, losing uh, Vega is huge. He went to San Jose Quakes, which I couldn't believe.
1: It, yes, that was actually what I was going to mention. I think that the, the biggest loss of the offseason is the loss of Indio Vega. But... The fact that he's going to play for an MLS side, you know, and it may be in a backup role. It may be as kind of a veteran mentoring a young player role. Um, but that's still a, a tremendous opportunity for him. And it is an endorsement for Miami FC that Miami FC is sending players back to Major League Soccer yeah. from the fourth division. That's great. And I will tell Shout you... Shout
0: out to Darren McCarthy.
1: Yes, that's that's good, good work, good business by them. And that that maybe is a reason why a player like Lloyd Sam is 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 more intrigued about Miami FC than other opportunities. But um yeah, that's he's going to be missed. He is going to be, you know, last year we were coming into the season, we were talking about players that were gone and players that stayed. I don't think we ever really talked about like, oh man, losing X player or Y player, the team's really going to hurt. Um I think losing Vega is going to hurt. And and you know, I mean, you know, if they bring in some unbelievable name and goal, maybe not, but just that guy was the club. That guy played virtually every important game in the club's history, minus the game against the Wilmington Hammerheads. <laughs> like, that's it. He well, and, every and other he didn't play game.
0: against Boca last year. I think those were the only two he were, he was out for.
1: Yes, but I mean, that was, that was, imp- every game's important in the regular season, but I'm, I'm talking about like the, the you know, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the the cup ties, the games that, that win you a spring season, things like that. He was always there. He basically only missed, like, three games. And the, so, the other
0: crazy thing, too, is, like, he's not a U.S. citizen, so he's taking, like, a I believe it's the DP slot or whatever, like, an international slot at the San Jose yeah. Quakes. So that just shows you, like, at his age, that's how good of a goalkeeper he is because... That's the one thing Americans can produce is goalkeepers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like yeah, you would, Tim, ha- you would Tim Howard. <laughs> all these yeah. guys. That's the one good international spot we produce, which is why it's so hard to be on the other end of that, being an international player in America and trying to break it open, like uh, moving upwards. So it's yeah. like, that's crazy.
1: <laughs> yes. And it. congrats to him and his family. They deserve it. If, if ever, you know, his MLS contract were, were going to run out and he wanted to come back to Miami, I'm sure they would take him back in a snap. Um, but that's really great for him. Um, so Lionel Brown, the guy on the scene right now, uh, again, Drew, as you said, and I think I would concur with you, can't imagine the club is done in terms of goalkeeper acquisition. Don't know who it would be. Don't have a beat on it. Don't have an idea. Just while Lionel is a, is a serviceable key, a good keeper, uh, serviceable sounds insulting he's a good keeper but
0: and an he, excellent substitute
1: I was gonna say he's he's kind <laughs> of a you know your Swiss army knife your in case of emergency pull player um, in terms of running him out as the starter this year I, I don't know now in fairness he really hasn't gotten an opportunity because Vega has been between the posts pretty much every game so maybe he's ready to go um, but you would imagine that even they would need a backup at, at the least. They wouldn't just have one keeper, so there's probably at least another name coming in.
0: Yeah, and I, I I'm not sure what happened to Ryan Herman, but uh, who knows? <laughs>
1: uh, so uh, defense, couple of couple of you know a departure in defense and uh, uh, acquisitions, defense and midfield. What do we got?
0: Uh, Mason Trafford has left. I think officially, I think Magic City Soccer broke it, Uh, most likely going to the Canadian Premier League. Um, The other kind of weird one in limbo is uh, Rhett Bernstein hasn't officially been announced, but I feel like it's almost assumed that he's going to play here next year. Yeah. Um, Um,
1: Loss of Mason Hurts. particularly for Magic City Soccer's own Lee Trafford. uh, Lee (laughs) Lee Trafford, yeah. yeah. He he wishes, my friends. He took his last name. Yeah. Um, Again, another kind of hallmark cornerstone of the club. Uh, That's another one that will hurt. Can you find another back that can fill in that role and play effectively in in defense? Absolutely. Um, But, again, one of those faces that you identify with Miami FC.
0: Yeah, and I feel like last year kind of – our concerns going into the season were uh, almost like subdued, or because we had Trafford, Bernstein, and Vega. Where last year, going into the NPSL season, we were like, "Hey, we still have the core, you know, the center, uh, the the two center backs, and the 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 goalie, and uh, like a half decent midfield." Where we were like, "Okay, yeah. we don't have strikers." <laughs> kind of the spine yeah 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 we yeah. yeah I think we were talking about that last year but now it's changed around but um we we got decent signings uh we got Brenton, I think it's Griffiths from uh Reno 1868 in the USL and uh Marco Franco from Penn FC also in the USL who played a little bit out the strikers so uh building off of that you know it it can't hurt to have two uh two players from a higher tier. <laughs> playing uh absolutely and Reno was
1: on a really hot streak last year in the USL uh, I have a friend that actually is a play-by-play man for Reno um and so I was constantly kind of getting updates about them on his, through his Twitter account um yeah they were a pretty solid club put together a really good run at the end of the season and being able to get a player from that team probably is a good sign and as you mentioned Franco is is another veteran name another established presence in American soccer and in the lower divisions
0: Wink, wink. Multiple players from that team. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to run down the midfielders or. Absolutely. Oh, did
1: I catch you with your pants down?
0: No, I, 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 that was my cue for you to go through it. But uh, uh... Oh, no, I th- I'm
1: sorry. I thought you had the whole list pulled up, so I was just like, you kind of serve I... them up.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Uh... This is, this is how we do it. Okay, so we, we got back Brian James, who was excellent last year, came very late in the year, but uh, ended up playing a bit in the, the, the postseason and just another veteran USL player. I, I think the biggest one that I, I would say I didn't expect at all was Dylan Maris.
1: Yes, getting Dylan back after the, you know, you had figured that Maris going back to Indy. Uh, on loan would be kind of the, alright, well the time to say goodbye to Queso Blanco time for him to go back home um, and that would be that, but yeah, for him to return to Miami, must really like the town, must really like the team because, uh, you know, that was I think he was I think he was happy to go back to India at the time, um, but, you know getting the chance to come back to Miami FC you know, he, he jumped at it, and Brian James as you mentioned, uh, kind of a local guy out of Boca Raton um, But then returned, uh, not didn't return, he went to, uh, played with Toronto FC2. That's where he came from previously. So again, USL experience. Uh, A Common theme among the players that the team is trying to acquire seems to be higher level experience. Yeah. That in terms of young, young players, that's maybe not the road they're going to go down. And if they are going to go down that road, it's going to be with names that they've worked with before. Otherwise, they're trying to reach up and pull down.
0: Yeah, Darren McCarthy is playing excellent money ball. Yes. Uh, Go ahead. Oh, I thought you were going to profess your love for Moneyball, the greatest baseball movie ever. But um, (laughs) (laughs) also uh, returning is Ariel Martinez and Dario Suarez. And uh, I'm super excited about Dario coming back. And uh, he's pretty interesting, too, because he came from uh, Ann Arbor. So it's another MPSL player where for him to stay for a second year, it's like, oh, shit, he's moving up like. I, he he really impressed me last year. Like when he came to the team, I didn't know what we were getting, but he seemed like he could have been a USL player, and he ended up being a, you know top tier player on the squad last year. Like I think he got a crazy amount of minutes, but he deserved it as well.
1: I had mentioned in if in our story, kind of recapping the signings from last week, that Darius Suarez is a really interesting figure for the club because. He was brought in mid-season. It was still relatively early in the season, but he was brought in around the beginning of May, if I recall correctly. And, you know, the, the, the official team release says, you know, Miami FC adds squad depth, signs Dario Suarez. And squad depth is usually what you say to someone like, who you have around, just in case. He started 11 games. He played in 14. He made an immediate impact. He scored 10 goals and had two assists. Like he came he came on the pitch and it was as though he caught it on fire. It was really impressive work out of the young man. And I think part of the reason why maybe they brought him in and part of the reason why he stuck around is because when he came in from Ann Arbor, he was sitting off of suspension. He had been suspended for I believe six months. Yeah. Um, because of an some incident that he Naughty Things. Yes, he he an incident he'd had with a referee in a game. You know basically a ball keep being kicked at him and so I think there's a little bit of that you know I believed in you you believed in me thing perhaps where you know Dario is in Miami not the worst place to be you know Ann Arbor is a lovely little college town but if you're <laughs> you know a young athlete maybe you want to be in Miami instead um, you know especially you know competing with Michigan uh, that's always going to be hard at least down here you could you could attract a certain number of fans interested in soccer Um and the, the club, you know, put that leap of faith into him and that, the fact that he'd be able to deliver, and he over-delivered and was really a key figure in the team clinching the NPSL National Championship.
0: Speaking of the I believe in you, you believe in me, we do have a return from the NASL. I think a fan favorite. Matt, would you like to announce him?
1: Uh, no, I'll leave it up to you.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, man, you got to make me say his last name. Robert. Baggio Casira.
1: I believed in you, Drew. Yes. I knew you'd get it yes. right. Robert yes. Baggio Cassira. That was, man, seeing that name come across, that was, I think, the, the, the signing that gave me the most joy. Um, when, when we started this, this podcast back in 2016, in the long, long ago, um, it, it was that season that Baggio Cassira came onto the scene. And basically, he had just sustained a really serious injury. Am I, am I putting this correctly? Or no, I'm sorry. No, when we started the website, the podcast was the year before. Yeah. When we started the website, one of the first things we wrote about was his serious ACL and meniscus injury. And the thing that really was even any guy that gets that kind of injury, that's terrible. But this guy was a walk-on, basically, had yeah. gone through the open tryout process, not only had gotten a spot on the team, had worked himself into position to start and star. He was starring for Miami FC. He was At that point, everywhere. he
0: surpassed a player that is now playing, that will now play next year in MLS for FC Cincinnati. Yeah. And yeah. I love Blake Smith, but Baggio took over his role completely.
1: Agreed. A hundred percent agreed. Yeah. He was completely he he grabbed attention. And that's sometimes hard to do from where he was typically playing, which is towards the backside of the field. You know, he wasn't necessarily you know the striker or the number ten. He was kind of coming, you know, along the wings, like coming out of the back and really contributing everywhere. And then him suffering this the injury was just devastating, and he kind of You know, fell off the map for a bit, and then to see him come back, I mean it's just it's a delight it's a really great story because he's healthy and he's ready to play again and to see him back in the miami fc's colors i think again that idea of i believe in you and you believe in me i really hope it pays off for everyone involved because that young man deserves it
0: yeah i think kind of uh, a lot of miami people kind of kept an eye on him and i think while he was injured i think he was training with the cosmos for a bit so all of the Miami. FC fans were kind of concerned, where it's like, no, come back home, don't play for the Cosmos, <laughs> like. <laughs> and then uh, it paid off. It paid off. Um,
1: uh, yeah, I I think that his versatility. I mean, he can play in attack. He can come forward down the wings. He can play defense. Again, talk like talk about a Swiss Army knife, but actually in terms of starting, um, that that's the kind of player you're going to get with Robert Bajucasir. We still have not seen him on the field. We still have not seen him, you know, back at it full strength. He has not played since 2017. Um, but, man, if it works out, that would just be uh, tremendous for everyone involved.
0: It's Baggio, man. He could do anything.
1: Yes, this is true. <laughs> Baggio is love. Baggio is life.
0: Oh, there we go. Okay, so for <laughs> our forward, uh, we we kind of already spoke on uh, Thomas Granito, which is yes. a crazy signing. Uh, yes, We'll go to the forwards. We have uh, oof! I'm gonna mess up this guy's last name so bad, and I apologize for it in advance. But Muhammad, <laughs> the wah?
1: I I think that's a good good a shot Muhammad as any. Good a chance as any. <laughs> also um, from yes. uh,
0: Reno, 1868. Uh, at one point, in time was signed uh, under the Quakes. Uh, played a little bit at the Portland Timbers 123s. Uh, You know, with with Chavez gone, uh, some of these other guys, uh, definitely in desperate need of the striker position, which I feel like was kind of uh, underrated last year, where Suarez is a kind of midfielder, sometimes playing the winger had to take over, but we have legit strikers now, so I'm excited. I I, I honestly don't know much about this guy, I've kind of lurked his Wikipedia page. He's young, he's (laughs) only 24, so I have high expectations for him, and I'm excited to see him play. Uh, the fact that he was signed to an MLS squad for a while and was on loan to USL is pretty big. So we're we're taking big shots here.
1: Yes, I think this is one of the few uh, examples of the club kind of um, taking a, t- taking a chance on younger talent. Uh, obviously, someone that has uh, potential, someone that they they feel can be reshaped, remolded in in kind of a a different. Uh, a different shape that'll work for this team. Uh, Paul Dalglish, his best experience has come, uh, you know, his mo- his greatest success has come in these kinds of situations with these kind of lower tier teams with higher tier ambitions between last year, obviously, defending national champions and his time in Austin. Um, I think that he, I think that his, in removing the, you know, the tactics and all that from it, I think in terms of his man management, one of his greater strengths, although it took a little bit for it to really click over last season is his ability to balance the new and the old to kind of integrate two different age groups two different styles uh you know we we, we did see that again after say memorial day last year uh we, that really kicked in and you could see a difference in the squad once he got more of i think what he would call his players in and so giving him the full off season now to really approach a club that's not in uncertainty. A club that has a stable home, bringing in these young guys and kind of uh, you know working around uh, the 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 older talent that's there. I think it's a it's a real. I think they there's a plan in place and having these players in there as part of that plan.
0: Yeah, and I there's uh, one more player left. I don't know if you want to announce him. Well,
1: I believe this is the most recent one. Yes.
0: Uh. First name George. L, last name S.
1: Oh, uh, Oh no. I, I was thinking
0: Sean Chin. Yeah, we... Did. <laughs> sorry, Sean Chin. <laughs> we did yeah, get Sean
1: Chin back. Yeah, Sean Chin is back. Sean Chin's the last man in so far. Um, so, uh, yeah, so uh, uh, Sean Chin, that's the most recent announcement. That was uh, two days ago, so that would have been on Tuesday, because today is Thursday. Um, so, yeah, the the last player in that bunch that you were talking about uh, was uh, Lance Rose uh, Roseboom um, oh, coming heard- in. R- right? Right?
0: Yeah, forgot about him. Oh, yes. Sorry, Lance.
1: Wait there. Okay. Again, as we mentioned, a lot of players coming in to the side. We're even mixing them up. I think so. Hold on. Who who did I forget?
0: Nobody. Oh no. Nobody. I I got you. I got you. But Lance Roserum, Tampa Bay Rowdy. I'll I'll take a Rowdy player.
1: Yeah, that's a again, anytime you can poke Tampa Bay in the eye, that's a win <laughs> I think if you're Miami. <laughs> the oldest of rivalries.
0: Oh, I hope? (laughs) Oh, I I was going to announce my last guy, and I feel like he's worthy of a three-minute-long intro. Miami FC signed Lloyd motherfucking Sam. Boom. Former Charlton Athletic. Former Leighton Orient, Former Sheffield Wednesday. Former Leeds United. New York Red Bull. D.C. United. Wimbledon now to Miami FC. The legend, the god, Lloyd Sam. I'm too excited.
1: It is really quite a journey, uh, for Lloyd Sam. I mean, he's played uh, League One, Championship, Premier League, Major League Soccer. Uh, played internationally for Ghana at the senior level. Um, played for the England under twenties before he made the switch. Um, yeah, it's just really uh, he's got a, he's got about as long of a a journey as you can imagine he made his most appearances with charlton athletic uh, followed by new york red bulls and just with loans, spent a lot of time with a lot of other teams um and yeah he winds up down here in miami um you know he's a player that is 34 which is certainly not young but this is not a uh, you know you're not talking about a guy that's 38 or 39 you're talking about a guy that probably still has at least a couple of pretty good years in, in, in service um yeah, it's it's it's. A, I think it's a really exciting opportunity. That was the signing that really uh, caused the most, I would say, national reaction and international reaction when people saw, oh, Lloyd Sam is going to Miami FC. What's the deal there? Um, yeah, it's again. Maybe he's looking at the Indio Vega path, like to get some eyes on him and get back into MLS. Um, maybe he just really wants to play in Miami and, and make a run at the NPSL title. But it's it is definitely a great opportunity for. Uh, Miami FC because again it's a a guy with international experience international and top tier experience and
0: I will say I'm a huge fanboy of him but my one concern (laughs) and I'm a fanboy of who I'm about to insult right now but I hope he doesn't come in like Wilson Palacios style like (laughs) I like Wilson Palacios but when he came to Miami FC that first year homeboy was about the same age, a bit of the same experience, but just out of shape, kind of out of it. Not all there. So, I don't know. I saw some pictures of Lloyd Sam on Instagram. He, you know, he had his watch and a little denim jacket ready to come to Miami, but I hope he's in shape. <laughs> I hope he's in shape.
1: Yeah, don't, I think Don't we'll let um, me down, Lloyd Sam. <laughs> don't let me down. We'll, we'll have a uh, a much better idea...
0: Of, uh, Omar is going to give him a physical tomorrow, so that'll yeah. be up on MagicCity.Soccer.
1: <laughs> yeah, so taking the physical and actually seeing him just at least a few minutes out there running on the pitch against some competition, that's the key because you can really tell even after 10 or 15 minutes sometimes like, oh boy, oh no, or oh yeah, this will work. Um, so yeah, that'll be the interesting question. What Lloyd Sam do we get? But I'm optimistic. I feel the 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 big swings that the club has taken on player acquisitions – They've not always worked out, but I would say it's more recently they've generally worked out. Um, you know that first season was a bit of a cluster in terms of bringing in the names. Yeah, that um, that was
0: like belling out the boat, like it's full of yeah. water. Oh crap, we need to sign people, and for the most part, it worked out. So yeah, so we'll, like we'll we'll see how this that. This was a little, little more strategical.
1: Yes, I would I would I would hundred uh, percent agree with that. Um, yeah, so signings are in, practice has begun. Um, Miami FC opened a, a, basically a youth partnership uh, with uh, Soccer Academy of the Americas at a Tropical Park, which is definitely, a, uh, I, I think, an ode to the fact that they want to get back to Ricardo Silva Stadium. Um, and In fact, uh, uh, Chief Executive Officer Sean Flynn mentioned as much uh, when he spoke to us after their uh, media event announcing the partnership. Um, I, I think that... the. Last year was a struggle because it was really thrown onto them at the last minute. Um, But I think having the full offseason really develop a plan, I think and I hope they have an idea of the long-term goals of the club in NPSL. And I think part of that does involve a return to Ricardo Silva and kind of return to being a a more big-time club.
0: Yeah, I, I think the huge rumor and kind of speculation this year is that we'll play the first half of the season at uh, St. Thomas, and uh, depending on the draw or how they can promote, go back to Ricardo Silva, which I would love to see, especially against teams like Detroit and Chattanooga, but um, it, it's it's kind of insane if you think about it, where this offseason almost seems hectic, but this is the most calm and stable like offseason that there's been, like, since the conception of the team first year, will the league exist? Question mark, yes it will, but we're gonna come back with six teams that off season. What league will we play in? Question mark, oh now we're going NPSL. And now is where we're like, okay, we're NPSL again. There's a second half of the season, but we can handle it. Where it's it's just been a roller coaster and as I think any off season is crazy, but I was thinking about the other day and I was like, oh, this is the most like calm and stable and we don't have to do a conspiracy theory podcast of what league we're going to (laughs) (laughs) and connections to other bizarre teams and I'm like oh we we can announce player signings this is this is okay
1: (laughs) uh yeah this was the most dull offseason uh for that Miami FC has ever had I think it was the only offseason that we've not really been talking about litigation and lawyers (laughs) um or the court of arbitration for sport We'll um, save that for the yeah, MLS team. Yeah, right. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, yeah, it's um, it, it's been calm, and I think thank God for the club. Like they need a little bit of it, you know. You you need a little stability, a little certainty, and I I do think you know Sean Flynn seemed a little bit at ease talking about you know he was eager to talk about the NPSL and the the Founders Cup. Um, that, that evening at Tropical Park, because it was just like, oh, yeah, I can talk about soccer again. Great. I don't have to talk about pro rail. I don't have to talk about all this other stuff. You know, it's just, I can just talk about the games and what our plan is and how we plan to, you know, use a stadium again, a full stadium. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was great. It was very great. Um, yeah, so e- exciting times for Miami FC. Uh, anything else to add there, Drew? Or, or maybe we'll move on to some. Um, some uh, major league soccer news.
0: Oh, I was waiting for a really cool transition, but we're in preseason 2 It's been a while. Yeah,
1: we're yeah we're <laughs> a little uh, we're a little shaky. We're a little little dicey, but I think we're getting there. I think we're rounding into form. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, Miami United. Not Miami United. Boy oh boy. Inter Miami <laughs> CF Club de Football. Um. Again, not a lot of on-the-field news, obviously, but there are some pieces that are uh, starting to fall into place for the club. Uh, The most recent one, I think the most significant one, I think one that really does kind of signify they actually have, like, on-the-field plans, which is exciting, instead of just, you know, business and politics and all that stuff. um, Announcing the hiring of, you know, a, a chief business officer, announcing the hiring of a technical director in Kurt Schmidt, uh, announcing a director of soccer operations in uh, Niki Um Getting these players into the side, uh, to me, that is... Uh, not these players, but these management figures, getting them into the side, to me, that's an enormous um, d- development. And again, it allows the club to finally grow.
0: Yeah, and uh, there's, there's a couple other things too. Like, I'm not sure if this is official or you can correct me or... Uh Maybe yell at me, but I think they've finalized the two stadium sites too, to the temporary sites either gonna be at Hard Rock or Merlin's Park.
1: Uh yeah, that's basically been the uh, uh official, unofficial line, I would say. Yeah, uh, you know, we're not we're not reporting that, but there's been enough discussion among supporters and you know, supporters groups that, that that's and I mean just using common sense, those are really the two only best options available. Uh, you know, whether you want to keep it central in downtown, get people used to the community, even though it's a little bit further to the east. Or, you know, you want the big scene, you want to attract the big numbers and then kind of build up support enough where if you can get, you know, 30 35,000 people a game at Hard Rock and you smush them down to 25, you're guaranteeing yourself a sell every game. Um, th- those appear to be the two options. Um, yeah, so that's, to me, th- those are big kind of off-the-field developments, but the on-the-field development that I think is probably the most significant, important one is the announcement of academy coaches, uh, Juan Carlos Misha and Victor Pastora coming in to Inter-Miami and being able to contribute to the club. Uh, Pastora has uh, some significant local experience. Um, I'm sorry, yeah, Juan Carlos Michia, my apologies, has some significant local experience uh, with Weston FC. Uh, Pastor also has experience with Weston FC. I knew he had Weston FC experience. I don't know why I doubted myself. <laughs> um, both of them have experience through the Weston FC Academy, which has been pretty prolific in terms of producing local talent, a pretty significant contributor to the, the you know the local soccer scene. Um, the fact that they are going so local, really hyper local, does illustrate kind of what they have in mind in terms of what this academy may look like, and it's going to look very 305. It's going to look very South Florida. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I, and I think that's a very important thing to, to capture is how much talent and coaching talent and uh, other things are out here in Florida. And it's good to see them, like, source locally because some of the earlier people, you know, you pick from outside for the front office, but that's a whole other thing that's based off experience. But uh, to pick up, up kind of local guys, uh, you know, for, I guess, people like us or uh, soccer ridiculous people in South Florida, it's like, okay, like... This this is where the community thing actually it's like okay put put the money where the mouth your put your money where your mouth is where it kind of is like oh you're actually doing it
1: yeah it's um obviously you would not expect uh, Inter Miami to reach back to a general manager or a coach from Miami Fusion back in their time in MLS that wouldn't make much sense I mean although if you did hire Roy Hudson I think some some people would really enjoy that ah uh, but you're, you're this guy right here you're likely Yeah, right? I mean, that would be fantastic. And he would take the job, I'm certain of it. But um, yeah, I I think that ship has sailed. But the one area in which you do have a lot of experience locally in terms of soccer and how it connects to the the top tier is the youth academies. The youth academies down here have been producing talent uh, for MLS clubs and other sides since MLS left and from before MLS left. Uh, You know, Luchi Gonzalez, who... Um, you know, just became the manager of FC Dallas, uh, was a product of South Florida soccer. And so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This is the one area of local soccer that has worked, has always worked from before Miami Fusion, during M- Miami Fusion, after Miami Fusion, it's always worked. And so being able to bring in those two guys from Western FC in particular, uh, again, I think that's a, that's a tremendous coup. And once this actually gets... Uh, worked out once this academy gets up off the ground and running, uh, and it appears that Inter Miami wants to develop it at Amelia Earhart Park up in Hialeah, uh, close to Opa Airport, pr- kind of right down the street from uh, St. Thomas University, which would be an interesting dynamic.
0: also, um, technically, if, isn't that United's? Uh, aren't they technically in that park or the the general park area?
1: Uh, no, that the United's park is Melander Oh, okay. And uh, Ted Hendricks Field. So, yeah, the the basically the youth academy would be right between Miami FC and Miami United's kind of training facilities and and Miami uh, United's actual stadium. Um, That would be fascinating. But, yeah, that's what they have in mind now, as we have learned from the Miami, uh, the inter-Miami experience, anything that you have planned assumed is going to get all jacked up and it's actually not going to work out that way. But, yeah, that is the that is the current status of play. For Inter Miami CF, we're still waiting on a t- uh, coach. We're still waiting on any sort of player acquisitions. Those would likely be spring or summer of 2019. But the you know the little the, the little bits and pieces are starting to come together. Uh, you know, let's not mention any litigation because <laughs> maybe <laughs> that'll wreck it all. But there are pending lawsuits uh, in the courts involving the search for a stadium. So while it did appear done, we'll see what the courts have to say. Um yeah, there's just a lot and you know we we'll, we will have coverage of that on magiccity.soccer as it develops, but right now there're just so many kind of balls up in the air uh as it relates to literally last I'm sorry, yeah, last month uh the Florida Supreme Court took action on a lawsuit as it related to West uh um Winwood, uh, not Winwood, uh the the original site, not the original site, but the site downtown that was on the small plot of land in Overtown. There it is. Uh, the Overtown site. This Florida Supreme Court literally just heard argument and came to a decision about the Overtown site last month. And Miami, Inter-Miami, had abandoned that site for a year. Uh, so, um, you know, this is still very much a long ways away, but it does appear like it's getting a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer.
0: Yeah, uh, once it comes down to it, <laughs> money talks.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think the Miami, inter-Miami their biggest concern has to be getting one of Manolo Reyes or Willie Gort two of the five city of Miami commissioners who voted against the referendum getting them on board somehow that's the only question that matters the lawsuits can be worked out the, the, whatever issues are, arise can certainly be settled somehow if the actual city itself is on board and if it's on board with a four-fifths majority or a unanimous majority Um, I don't think Manolo Reyes is going to make it unanimous. Uh, I do think that Willie Gort is, is the one commissioner that's likely to be convinced if either one of them can, because if neither one of them can be convinced, it won't matter very much because all of this is for naught. Um, and whatever temporary plan there is, uh, for a stadium is, is going to be a much longer temporary plan. So while uh, certainly Jorge Mas and the ownership group have a whole fleet of lawyers ready to dispute whatever, uh. Issues arise. I think their biggest concern right now is not legal, it's political.
0: Yeah. So, more importantly, because I'm known as Drew Houseman, aka Mr. Worldwide, I'm going to take this to the 2019 Copa America, hosted in Brazil. Yes. The groups came out today. Yes, they did. Yeah. I got some real boring information for you here. Group A, Brazil, Bolivia, Venezuela, Peru. Have fun with that. Group C: Uruguay, Ecuador, Japan was invited. Very impressive, and Chile, pretty good group. That was
1: interesting to see.
0: Group B is where the party's at, bro. <laughs> Argentina, Colombia, Qatar, and the team that's going to win it all: Paraguay.
1: Keep your eyes on
0: them. Yeah, keep your keep eyes on. Keep out. your eyes on Paraguay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw the seating for that. And I was like, why Paraguay? Why? Yeah, be, I mean, it's going to be a good tournament though. Like the we have the Women's World Cup coming like right now and the Copa America coming right now, so there'll be a decent amount of buzz of uh soccer in going on in America, so that's always good to see. You know, you, you kind of want to launch these teams always in the midst of uh, some sort of tournament when buzz is at its highest. So, yeah. What yeah, I
1: would expect some some partnered uh, releases in terms of players or, or, or coach signings as it, during the kind of Copa America window to kind of grab the, the whirlwind and, and partake in it. Um, but yeah, you know, every, the World Cup years are always the most exciting years. It's the year that everyone looks forward to. It's the big show. But the year after the World Cup, I think, is actually in terms of getting quality soccer on your television every hour of every day. I think it stacks up better than years with World Cups because you have full-fledged Copa Americas, you have full-fledged Women's World Cups going on, and usually there's a slight overlap, but you get almost two months of international competition going on. Um, it's pretty great. This summer is gonna it's gonna rock, and you know the U.S. is always a favorite in the Women's World Cup, but I think the competition is so evenly stacked now, uh, it could be anyone's tournament. And the, in the Copa América, like you mentioned, there are some. There are going to be some interesting draws in in the group stages. Uh, but particularly after the group stages are done, you're going to get some big time players uh, facing off in big time matches. You know, it might be the last time uh, Leo Messi, if he comes back, play internationally, gets a chance to win a major tournament for Argentina.
0: Um, you
1: know, if, you have if Colombia Argentina
0: f- qualifies
1: for Copa América.
0: Sorry, uh, I, the- I'm sorry, getting out of the group.
1: Oh, yeah. That I'm one's Colombia and the...
0: Paraguay all the way, bro.
1: Yes, that's true. It's going to be a dogfight. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, you have Colombia. Are they going to maintain some of their momentum from the World Cup last year? Or was that kind of a last hurrah? You know, you always have Uruguay. Are they going to pop up and win it? Because that's what they always seem to do. Uh, you know, is Brazil finally ready to lift a, a, a significant trophy with the unbelievable core of talent that it has? And they're the host. Um, and they're the host. You know, which hasn't always worked out in Brazil's favor. C twenty fourteen, C nineteen fifty. Um, you know, <laughs> sometimes the pressure could be a little bit too much. Um, yeah, so it's it's going to be really interesting. To I'm really looking forward to that tournament. That tournament is going to do great numbers in South Florida, as it always does. You know, plenty of eyes and ears are going to be turned to, to, tuned to it. Um, yeah, it's just super exciting.
0: I agree. That was the the last shit minutes of our podcast. I think we can sign off.
1: Yeah, I think we. <laughs> man, it's those like pulling teeth. Yeah, again, we're we're a little rusty, but we're just we're just shooting the breeze, man. This is soccer. We love it. Semi-solid. You, know, podcast. you guys love it. What's that?
0: It was a good preseason game.
1: Yeah, you know we're getting into shape. We're trying out some things. We're we're seeing what works and what doesn't. We're going to go back and review the tape, really break it down. We and we uh, beat up know, that APSL
0: squad. R.I.P.
1: Yes. Yeah we you know we're get, we're going to get FC Miami City in here we're going to you know get them on the podcast and and see if we can hold our own um so anyway uh yeah that'll that'll conclude our our business our our show tonight um as always uh Drew where can people find you on Twitter uh
0: at it's houseman lol or if you just uh search the hashtag paraguay i'm probably involved in it
1: yeah just you know find like the last 10 tweets about paraguay you will probably want. <laughs> um so you can find me at Matthew S Bunch, matthew with two t's the letter s as in scott bunch like a bunch of grapes or you can just follow at magic city soccer and uh we're prone to pop up there every now and again uh, on facebook you can search for magic city soccer on instagram it's magic city Soc. um magic City.soccer is our website home and i think that's pretty much the ways you can contact us um until next time drew it's been a pleasure Yes, yes. Thank you, sir. Uh, he's been Drew Hausman. I've been Matthew Bunch. And so, again, until next time, which will be uh, sooner than last time because we actually got some action going on in the soccer world, go Miami FC, go Miami United, go Inter Miami, and go Miami soccer.
0: Dale, bro.